What is happening, everybody? This is V3Cast, episode 16, the official Voyager 3 podcast. My name is Steve. I'm Aaron. And I'm Greg. <laughs> What's happening, fellas? Good to see you guys. We haven't had a rehearsal, so I haven't seen you in a, in a couple few weeks. Greg's been on vacation. Aaron's been going out of town. Aaron went to an arena concert. A lot of stuff <laughs> yeah. happening. Yep. Saw the Red Hot Chili Peppers for the first time. Uh, even though I've been a fan since 1986. So yeah, it was great. Very cool. It looked like it was absolutely packed. I saw some photos on Facebook and just like, like kind of like from the, from the top top, or maybe yeah. it was even a drone shot. I don't even know, but you could see just so many people, man. It, it yeah. had to have been sold out. It must've been, it felt like it. And, uh, it was a cool vibe. Like everybody was just happy, you know, and, um, kind of meeting new people and stuff and just kind of being social. It was, it was great. It was a lot of fun. And uh, cool. it was my first time being at the, you know, this, the ballpark, the Tigers ballpark um, at, for a concert. I mean, I've been there right. for a bunch of games, but never been to a concert. I know, Greg, you went and saw Kiss at the old ballpark back in 96. Yeah. That had to be pretty fun. That was uh, probably the best concert I've ever been to. Did I, yeah, did, I can't yeah. wait. I think I said the Creatures of the Night Tour was the best concert. So I don't know. Maybe that was second best. They can, they can both be the best, you know. It's, yeah, it's okay. especially because it's the same band. Same band. <laughs> <laughs> They're always, we're always going to give you your money's worth when you come to a Kiss show. That's, that's right. My, that's my Man, Gene Simmons. You sound just hey. like him. <laughs> Aaron, don't you have a story about a, a concert that ties in with baseball? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, actually, believe it or not, one time I went to see... Aerosmith back in, I don't know, 16 or something. And in the bathroom, when I went into the bathroom was Kate Upton going into the stall next to me, which was pretty bizarre and surreal. And Justin Verlander was standing out front of her, her stall, making sure nobody tried any funny business in the, in the bathroom. <laughs> That's Alex right. Of Auburn Hills. That's now, was right. she in the men's or the women's bathroom? Well, yeah, she was in the, the men's because the women's line was too long. So they were like cheating and they went into the men's room and I don't think anybody there had a complaint about it or anything. Um, and uh, I said to Justin Verlander right when I was leaving, I said, Hey, keep kicking ass. I said it real low key. So I wouldn't draw attention to him. There and he go. said, thanks man. It was awesome. See was that, awesome. that was respectable right there. That, 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 was, that, that, that was pro. And uh, that was pro on his part too, because his lady's got to go to the bathroom you got to right. take matters into your own hands and make it so she can go to the bathroom and not have to wait 45 minutes. So right. everybody was on their game that night. <laughs> it was <All> great. Right. <laughs> yep. Hey, yep. well, speaking of great concerts, uh, I know uh, when all of us go to a concert, we always like to get a fun beverage. So yeah. uh, in honor of the, the, the dog days of summer and going to concerts, what are y'all drinking tonight? I think Steve should go first. He built his up, and I, I have a guess as to what it is. Can I guess? Before, no, before you guess. hold it up. <laughs> I guess you can guess, yeah. <clears throat> Do you have a guess, Aaron? Because he built it up as some. He only described it as old school, so my mind goes to one drink. There, there's only one thing that's going to do it for you when you're down in the dumps. <laughs> you need something summertime. to pick you, pick you up. <laughs> um, my cold? guess, 
knowing yeah. Steve and knowing what I know about the two of you, it's country yes. time. That's oh. a very good guess, but it is thought, not. It is not. It's, it. not, oh, is it, it's not country time. Come no, on. No, no. But that, it, it would have been awesome to have that. I yeah. say I say old school because I used to drink these a lot, like in the '90s, and I honestly haven't had one since then. And I saw it at the store uh, yesterday, Walgreens in particular, and I'm like, "Oh man, I gotta get that." And sure enough, I did. And man, these things are delicious. You remember right. these? Yeah, oh, I haven't the had these in forever. Tea. But Is the, that the, the green tea, yeah, one? the green tea with ginseng yeah, and so honey good. in particular. I love these things. Are you ready? I, I, I love to crack it open. Oh, man, that was a good one. That's go. a good ASMR. We're, <laughs> we're crossing over into that that territory. Ooh, that's good. Yep. There you go. Is it just like you remember? Is it, it still 99 cents? That's the important part. <laughs> yes, that's amazing. <laughs> With everything that's happening in the world, yeah, how, inflation how are they holding their prices? <laughs> yeah, inflation doesn't seem to impact Arizona iced tea. They're nope. just not paying it. They, they're just not paying it. No mind. I guess no, they're not. Keeping it, they're keeping it real. They're keeping it real for the people. That's right. And from All past right, episodes of V3 Cats, everybody knows we keep it real. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> I, got, uh, I got myself uh, the margarita. Ooh, another homemade drink in the Batman glass. A yeah. margarita. I should have switched it up to the Superman glass because I used Batman last time. But hey, you know what? I I wasn't thinking. That's okay. all right. Everybody knows that Batman is your favorite. So it, 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 if you lean on Batman a little more than you do the other fun glasses that you have at the house, that's okay. Yep. Aaron didn't attend the production meeting, Steve. Remember <laughs> when he missed it? Oh, that's right. Yeah. Because yeah. we, we specifically went over, do not use the same glassware. That's right. Twice. Aaron sent his his stunt double A A Ron, and he 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 didn't re- relay the message at all. Yeah, he did a he shitty job. Up. He 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 definitely messed up. It's oh, hard to man. keep a handle on that guy. He's out. He's kind of in business for himself. That's right. You know what we refer to him at uh, as a lot of times is the wild card. He's the yeah. wild card. A A Ron. Yep. Yes. Greg. What do you got, Greg? You look right. like you have Mine, something real good, man. No, it's not. It's it's a repeat. Zombie dust. Nice. But hold on, I'm gonna redeem myself. I have new glassware. Oh See man. That? Jill and Steve got that for me. Oh yeah, that's right. From Amsterdam. From Amsterdam. So I'm drinking right. a zombie dust out of Amsterdam. I don't even know what you call this thing, but it's a fancy beer glass. That's, that's right, what I call man. It. Yep. And it works out good for me. You know, because it's got a wide opening here. I, yeah. I don't have the smallest nose, Aaron. So <laughs> I need a lot of nose room. You got a strong nose, man. Amster, goddamn, that, that looks you'd good. You'd be proud of it. You'd be proud of that nose. Let me tell <laughs> you, though, well, I got to say, you said it's nothing exciting. Zombie dust is fucking great. So just I know, but I think you, I've had it before. Yeah, but that doesn't matter. On the podcast, so. Yeah, but I, I look at it this way: is uh, you, when you get a, a a pack of that, it's at least six cans. You know, you got to have a couple repeats here and there. But do you, I know, do but you, I'm the I'm the goddamn drink hawk. You know that, right? Yeah. I do know that. Do we get mad at Steve when he has another white monster? No, we love it. Yeah, I do. As a matter of fact, <laughs> Aaron laughs, but Greg is secretly um, planning my demise. <laughs> yeah. All right. Fair enough. The way I'm spinning it is I'm drinking a repeat beer 
out of a new glass that you haven't seen before. So at there least I go. brought some new content. Do it. So Please. that means I have to get all new glasses. Well, you could at least switch it up every once in a while. <laughs> That's right. Aaron, you, know you have to I have all your shoes and glasses with you. So you have That's them. Right. I'll have yeah, them with me. I'll see you down there. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we are here to talk about something that we've all had a chance to see it now. And a lot of people are buzzing about it. Um, apparently it was Hulu's most watched film to date. Um, and we're talking about Prey, which is the Predator uh, prequel, actually. Um, it was uh, very enjoyable, man. I, I checked it out like about three days after it came out and watched the whole thing in one sitting and uh, very much liked it. Yep, I liked it too. I thought it was really uh, cool, um, pretty straightforward story and um, kind of kept it relatively simple, you know, just yeah. this, this woman who has her, her job to do, nobody will really believe her or like take her seriously. And she has to like take matters into her own hands and go against the predator. And it's a bad predator. I mean, a badass predator. And, um, you get to see all those great weapons. Sometimes they're a little bit like earlier technology than what we've seen in the other predator movies, but they still get the job done. Yeah, I liked how I liked how when it came time for me to watch this movie, Aaron was like, "Well, temper your excitement," and I was like, "Man, what does he mean by that?" And uh, <laughs> I <laughs> and I told you guys like I'm so used to watching movies with no budget nowadays that like this movie just seemed like I mean it was it was flawless. <laughs> right, right. It was just a straight up action movie. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it, it didn't have like you said it's not heavy on story necessarily. But it makes up for it, and like uh, I don't know, like all the characters are good. I mean, she's mm -hmm. pretty likable, you know. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just it was really well done, and you know what it was for me too is uh, like all the scenery reminded me of Red Dead Redemption too. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I I know this is like a, a video, like comparing it to a video game, and I don't know if that's really fair, but like red dead redemption 2 is probably my favorite video game because it was set in the old west and this sort of like the scenery of like her up on those like mountaintops and all that like i don't know there's just something about that period that i don't know is you know it's my wheelhouse yeah, so no, sure. i really i really like that part of it that it was like the old west kind of and then mixed with you know this predator that they don't even understand you know right so yeah, I when when i said to temper your expectations i was just talking about you know it's been getting a lot of praise and that's good and it should get a lot of praise but i feel like i don't know i saw a headline that said the the uh the the franchise finally gets its masterpiece and i thought well well okay hold on the first one is a masterpiece this was definitely very cool the second one was also great with danny glover i love that movie. right yeah, i think and, that's uh, underrated in my opinion yeah by the way. i do yeah, too i, I love I love part two. Love it. Um, and I, I also really love the, or really like the uh, Adrian Brody Predators. I didn't even see the most recent Predator with like Keegan Michael Key. It looked like a joke to me and I wasn't going to mess with that. But, um, and the, the Alien Predator movies are really not very good. But yeah, I thought this was a really cool movie. And I just didn't want you to get like thinking, you know, because some of the, some of the reviews are, making it out to be like the second coming or something but no I, I i know what you mean like you don't want like there's so much buzz it's like they're they're sort of like telling you what to think about it before you even watch it for yourself sort of objectively you know yeah but i will say 
something that we've talked about on this podcast before they brought back, which was really old school, is fucking quicksand. Yeah, yes. yes. So true. <laughs> Remember man. when we were talking about quicksand yep. when we were kids? It was always like a plot point in like right. old TV shows. And man, she gets caught. You know, I don't know. This is spoilers, obviously. I guess we should probably put a spoiler alert before we start talking about it. But I mean, I was happy to see quicksand back as a as a yeah <laughs> as yeah a thing. Yeah, yeah, that's that was so amazing. awesome. That, that had to be intentional too, because I mean, I'm sure I'm sure this director is aware of that. You know, like that era right. of, uh, you know, the 80s where everybody was getting stuck in quicksand. <laughs> yeah, sure. that was awesome. Th- this is kind of directly tied into her getting stuck in that quicksand. And is uh, one of my favorite aspects of the film was how she was always kind of uh, in the trials. She was mm-hmm. always having to kind of learn a new trick, master her weapons better, master a new weapon, expand her mind and uh you know really focus in to be able to do the task at hand which was <clears throat> her quest um that that's a great aspect of, of the story to me so that you saw her kind of get the idea to uh tie a rope around her her axe to kind of have like a better uh use for it not you know not just throw it once and and you're done you, you can get it back again and then that ended up saving her ass in the quicksand debacle so um very cool aspect of that film to watch that character uh, grow and learn and become more powerful and all yeah. that sort of stuff it, 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 as far as her group her family and everything a lot of the people there were kind of stodgy and kind of set in their ways and she was the the only one at least featured in the story who was like reaching for the next level and, and kind of being open-minded that's why nobody really believed the creature was even there and she was like well if nobody's going to do anything or nobody's going to believe me i'm going to have to do it myself so yeah. Everything about her was that that pragmatism of um, of dealing with what's in front of her instead of questioning everything and just like getting getting the job done. And so um, that was a, a really cool aspect of her character for sure. Yeah, the sequence in kind of like that dead forest. It was either a dead forest or it had it had burned, um, and mm-hmm. there was kind of like the floating ash kind of going through the air. You know that that'll always mess up the uh, the predator's uh, camo for one because it yeah. can't it can't handle that much variance, and then also it just was a great mood um, set. You know they're tied up on that tree, it's got that setting, uh, and then you get to see some of the coolest predator weapons to date, in my opinion, that you know that I've seen uh, mm-hmm. used in that kind of fight in that. Um, you know, dead, burnt out forest area. That was a really cool sequence. Yeah, for sure. That was great. Kind of like a, almost a Frank Frazetta painting kind of look really. Yeah. Yeah. It reminded me of that scene from Kill Bill. I think it is with Lucy Liu when she fights Lucy Liu and the, the snow is falling real slow. I think that's an old martial arts sort of thing with the, the snow that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's it, what it reminded me of. It kind of ties into all that, you know. It, it kind of serves a similar purpose. Oh, and, and and the director, um, uh, Dan Trattenberg, is that how you say his name? Yeah, something um, like that. I, I was seeing what else he did because I, I knew this wasn't his first film, but then so when I looked, um, he did Ten Cloverfield Lane, which I really liked when that was out, and then he also did an episode of Black Mirror, but I didn't see that episode, so I'm gonna. Um, I'm going to issue myself a uh, K 
Cam Floyd challenge to mm-hmm. watch that uh, episode of Black Mirror, which is called Playtest. And it was the same year as 10 Cloverfield Lane, 2016. So um, then, then I'll be complete as to everything that he's directed. <laughs> there you go. Yes, indeed. I'm trying to remember which episode that was. I probably saw it. What season is it? Um, I think it might be the third season. The other thing I wanted to mention was uh, I'm pretty sure that they used at least a little bit of practical effects on the Predator. So I was happy about that. And yeah. then uh, it was also very violent. <laughs> pretty yeah. gory so like all of the you know that that stuff was really pleasing all the violence so, yeah, yeah for sure there was a uh, really good kills all throughout yeah uh, animals and humans <laughs> yeah. take your pick <laughs> yeah, yeah all the fight all the fights were great you know yeah. whether it's you know all the different adversaries so it was it was well i mean you can't go wrong watching this movie right it's like watching a john wick movie right you know right. you sort of know what you're in for and uh yeah. One other aspect that I'll mention that I don't even know them all because I've only seen it once. And uh, it's been a little bit of time since I've watched Predator 2. Um, and I haven't seen all of the later ones either. Um, but I think there's a lot of Easter eggs in this film. Uh, you know, the obvious one is the uh, Raphael Adolini uh, 1715 um, pistol. Um mm-hmm. In, in there, of course. So that was the same one that the Predator at the end of Predator 2 hands to Danny Glover's character. Um, but I have a feeling that uh, if you either, you know, find a YouTube video of someone to tell you what's in there, or if you take your time to find it, you'll find a lot of uh, Easter eggs in this film. I, I kind of mm-hmm. get that feeling. So I guess, fellas, bottom line is totally worth seeing this film. It's probably tied for second or third best predator film if you even need to rank it i mean kind of who cares but some people like to know that stuff or have kind of have an idea where where it stands and i guess in my opinion i would say it's either as good as two or just after predator two i guess something like that well if we're ranking it i would put one and then two and then this one yeah we're gonna do something new on v3 cast tonight and we're calling it friends doing cool stuff and our friend tonight is Corey dana he's a author and a freelance journalist who does work for horror geek life the action elite.com kung fu magazine.com and many others so he has a book that just came out from vietnam to van damme and it's a book about sheldon latish who is a director screenwriter producer and he's worked with some of the best in the biz of the action stars like Sylvester Stallone, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Dolph Lundgren, and many more. So this book uh, interviews some of those actors, uh, and these are all brand new interviews like uh, Mark DeCascos and Boyez Yakin um, and Brian Thompson. So they give their accounts of uh, behind-the-scenes stories of different films and some of the history of when they worked with him. Uh, and so it should be really cool. Um, this is Corey's, I think it's, it's, his, it's his first book like this. Do you guys know? I don't remember. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, first. I don't know. We ran into him at, uh, so what, what prompted this is we ran into him at, uh, um, Motor City Motor Nightmares and, uh, I just thought it was so cool that he had written a book and kind of did that. So like, you know, we always talk about like, you know, we, we sort of worked on the New York Ninja thing during COVID. Well, 
Corey kind of knocked this book out during that same period of time. So I, you know, I definitely subscribe to that, that idea that, you know, when your friends are doing, you know, if you have friends that are doing cool stuff, you should build them up, you know, like, I mean, they're doing, they're doing equally as cool stuff, just in different aspects of, of media. So yeah, definitely thought it was awesome that Corey wrote a book and, you know, he, he, I definitely know that the, that he was really excited about this book. So I wanted to make sure we, we took some time to cover it and get the word out. Oh yeah, definitely. And for folks who don't know um, Sheldon Letitia's work, he has a whole bunch of films under his belt with all those uh, action stars that I was mentioning. So um, movies like uh, Lionheart, Double Impact, uh, and Only the Strong, amongst many others. And a lot of those are considered to be uh, you know cult classics these days. If you like those kind of films or, or know those films already, then you'll be interested in this book because it's going to give you a lot of information about that director. I'll have to oh, grab oh, that you copy from you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll bring it to rehearsal. Was that, that uh, the guy, the subject of the book, was, well, he was in Vietnam, I would imagine. That's what I'm understanding. You know, so it's, it, it, the, some of these interviews are going to take you probably maybe you know, from that time to when he started doing films. And then I would imagine those guys doing the interviews, the actors are going to be giving you information, you know, right when those films are being made. So it's probably pretty expansive. Super cool. I mean, a lot of detail about this, this director. I definitely have a thing for reading books about people in Vietnam. So yeah, I sir. Be checking that out. You know, our buddy Ian's going to be interested in that book too, man. He's, yeah. Uh, he loves film history and things like that. He probably has already read it actually. Yeah. He probably bought it the day it came out knowing him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think you can get the book like from Barnes and Noble. Yeah. So, we'll actually put really? a link to the book in our description uh, too. I know it's on Amazon for sure. Cause that's where I kind of got some of my notes. So go grab a copy. That's right. Go get it. Mailbag. I got the mailbag here. Uh, we mailbag. Mailbag. Last time we talked about um, our favorite remakes, so we had some friends chime in on that. Our friend Dan um, pointed out, see, when I was thinking of these remakes, and there's obviously a million that we left out because we only chose one, but I was very glad that some of our friends pointed out these remakes because now we get to mention these other great remakes that we couldn't mention that day because we put our rules on ourselves. That's so right. Dan mentioned that... <laughs> that uh heat is a remake it's most people don't know it's a remake but it's a remake of michael mann he remade his own thing he did a movie a movie called la takedown on tv michael mann did miami vice he, he's done a bunch of stuff collateral and all kinds of great movies um but uh he did la takedown for tv maybe it was before miami vice i'm not sure but heat was a remake of that because he used most of the story and kind of recycled it and made it into a masterpiece of a crime epic. Uh, I, I have ne never met anybody who didn't agree that Heat is a badass fucking movie. Um, yeah, not only uh, the the performances from De Niro and Pacino, especially the you know when he goes, "Cause uh, she had a great ass." That part. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's one of the, it's it's you know that shootout with the bank robbery that blew everybody's minds. Um, and it, it's been imitated. The whole movie has been 
copied uh, in all kinds of other movies, including the Dark Knight. Um, I don't know, copied, whatever, tributed, uh, influenced by whatever. So Heat is a is an amazing, uh, awesome remake. Joe Cady pointed out that Dread is sort of a remake. I mean, it's kind of a, a redo or, or, or a reboot. But the other one he mentioned was True Grit. You know, it was a John Wayne movie, and then it was remade by uh, Jeff Bridges. And uh, that's a great, great remake with Haley Steinfeld. Um, and then uh, Blog Jammer pointed out that Evil Dead, he, he said Evil Dead is a really great remake. Uh, oh, that's true. Yep, I, yep. I, I think it's totally a Totally forgot about that one. Pretty decent one. For me, I don't know if I put it up there with the greats, but you can, Greg can, Blog Jammer can. Blog Jammer opened up a whole other can of worms with his question. Which, which makes Mailbag a whole other cool segment in this episode where uh, he asks us, Voyager 3, what started your journey into horror? Because he was talking about, I think he said that Evil Dead started his back, uh, the first one. I think that's what he said. But he asked what our entry into horror was. For me, it was uh, American Werewolf in London. Dig it. I was uh, too young to be seeing that movie. <laughs> and uh, I was in a theater, right? And this was an old-time theater, not any kind of cool big multiplex. This was one of those old-timey theaters with one auditorium with the goddamn curtains on the walls and stuff, you know, <laughs> the red curtains and the exits at the, at the ends. But there was also, besides the exits in the corners, there was an exit right over um, by the row we were in. And it had a it had a okay so you got the theater you got the seats over to the left you have a nice little walkway kind of like tunnel, an alcove or something like that an right? alcove a dark ass hallway probably lit with red lights leading to some other exit no you don't bring a little <laughs> kid you don't bring a little kid to see uh american wealth in london and sit right by that little hallway because guess what there are scenes in that movie where the fucking werewolf is coming down a hallway mm -hmm. like the tunnel the underground in the subway and and, and it's going specifically through tunnels and hallways <laughs> to get people man that's messed uh, up so what i did um i have a i had a strategy when i was a kid if i got overwhelmed with something and something was too much for me to handle i would just make myself go to sleep and I said, I don't want to watch this movie anymore. <laughs> I can't handle it. Just go. go man, I do not think I've ever heard this about Aaron. <laughs> Me neither, man. Forced narcolepsy. Right. Yeah. Um, it's almost like, it's sort of like Dinner for Schmucks, where uh, Steve Carell's character just plays <laughs> dead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I did. Because I couldn't handle it. Um, but it ended up being one of my fucking favorite movies ever one of my favorite horror movies for sure uh what I, about you, I agree i think the scariest movie i ever saw as a kid and it was probably the first one because i'm think i'm just thinking about the year and it's going to sound redundant and everybody's going to be bored with my answer but i think like if you consider jaws a horror movie that's probably the first one that i ever watched yeah and that's probably the one that uh, you know affected me the most but I will say that Friday the 13th part two is the one that really sticks out in my head as being the movie that I, I had a love hate relationship with it. I loved it because it was so scary to me because it reminded me, well, 
at the time I was in boy scouting and I was camping all the time. So like that movie just looked like <laughs> camping. So like it messed with me because of that. And it was like, when I say love hate, I mean, I loved how scary it was. And I loved, I knew that I loved horror for that reason because no other movie type of movie made me feel that way. But I also hated watching it because it was like torturing myself because I knew when I went camping that all I was going to think about is Friday the 13th part two and the fact that there's somebody in the woods, you know? So that's the one for me, probably more, even more so than Jaws. Awesome. What about you, Steve? It would be a handful of, of what would be now considered the classics, uh, at the drive-in, um, for whatever reason, in the summertime, my folks loved to go to the drive-in. And it, it was usually that the first movie was pretty family-friendly. Um, but that second movie would be like, you know, Motel Hell or Phantasm <laughs> or Halloween. I think they thought I was sleeping. Um, but I would sneak kind of over the side of the back seat and watch as much as I could. Either I got too scared or I truly did fall asleep. I don't think yeah. I ever saw all of the second film, but I, I, I watched enough to, to realize that this is absolutely incredible and I'm freaked out and it's fun and, you know, uh, I'm hooked. So definitely the drive-in experience is what uh, got me going into, into horror. So awesome. Steve's answer is a bit more abstract. It's not even a specific movie. It's just a, a point in time and, and an experience. Yeah. That- yeah. Because I mean, it's we, a cool we go way to many answer, times. Steve. Hey, thanks, man. <laughs> way to make me and Aaron look bad. Yeah. Uh uh-uh. uh. Everyone has his own flavor. It's all good. Thanks to Blog Jammer for bringing up that topic. We have some Voyager 3 news for you. Uh, mainly, it uh, has to do with New York Ninja because. New York Ninja is coming back to the big screen all overseas this time. We got three particular dates um, to let you know about. A couple of them are film fests, too. So the first one is in Gothenburg, Sweden. It's on Wednesday, August Let's 24th go, at the Boy Roy Theater in Gothenburg. And the next we're gonna one... We're going to go and see In Flames and At the Gates. and uh, We're just going to hang out and move to Gothenburg. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Perfect. All those, we're going to hang out with all those Swedish bands. We yeah. love all of you Swedish metal bands. That's all right. Of you. Every all of single you. one of them. Um, the next one is in London, and it's called the Fighting Spirit Film Festival, and it happens Let's September go. 10 Let's go. through 11. And New York Ninja is going to be playing during that film festival. So um, you have to check out their website for when they actually announce which day it's going to be playing. Then We're going to go and we're going to hang out with Iron Maiden, and we're going to hang that's out right. with... Judas Priest and Black Sabbath and all those English bands. That's right. Yeah, we love all those English metal bands. <laughs> all those English metal bands. <laughs> we, we love them all. That's right. Motorhead, and, Sweden. Mm-hmm. and Sweden. And Sweden. What's Norway. next, Steve? Is it playing in Norway, Steve? Is it playing um, Norway? Not that I've heard of yet, but this last one is on Sunday, October 9th. And this is in the, the UK, in Sheffield in particular. Let's and go. It's Let's the Abbeydale Picture House. Um, so get your tickets um, on Voyager3.com, uh, V-O-Y-A-G-3-R.com. We have all of the upcoming New York Ninja film listings with links to ticket information and ticket purchase. So uh, get your tickets if you're there or want to travel there. It's going to be a fun adventure. 
Now, definitely the last, go see that movie in the theater. Yes, that's right. The last piece of uh, news it has to, also has to do with New York Ninja. And in case you didn't know, this was just announced earlier this week. There's going to be a sequel to New York Ninja in comic book form, and it uh, it comes out on November 30th of this year. It is a super special book. Now, Aaron, tell tell the folks what a super special book means. It's like uh, almost like a giant sized comic book. And uh, it's more prestigious. The, the format is more prestigious. That's for sure. Dig it. Dig it. All right. Here's what uh, their website has to say about the comic book. The official follow-up to Vinegar Syndrome's cult hit. All your favorite characters return in a magazine-sized super special by Ignitz Award winner Charles Forsman. New York Ninja, 1984. Crime is at an all-time high. John Liu, a.k.a. the New York Ninja, scours the streets night after night, searching for his wife's killer. Meanwhile, the villainous Rat Tail's new radioactive powers make him deadlier than ever. Sign me yeah. up. <laughs> you, cannot do, you cannot do wrong by having more Rat Tail. I know. I think I know. everybody who's seen the film agrees. That's right. More screen time for Rat Tail. And, and, and we ha- we'll have three on the way for us, gentlemen, so don't worry. We will not miss out on the super special. But, uh, I mean, come on. Aaron's, Aaron's Isn't that perfect? Isn't that the absolute perfect um, description? Whoever wrote that, kudos. That's perfect uh, little paragraph. That, you're telling me that Rat Tail survived. I guess so. <laughs> Spoiler alert. That's all I need to know right there. I'm in. I hit that guy. Or, well, we hit that guy up on Twitter and... The guy who wrote it, he said he was listening to our music while he was writing the comic. So, yeah, that was sweet. You'll have to listen to it in your head. That's right. That's appropriate. That's appropriate. Yes, indeed. So, for that and other Voyager 3 news, you can always visit our website, voyag3r.com. All right. Our final segment of the evening was a cool idea that Aaron had uh, was to go. Uh, album by album of ours and give some little behind the scenes of uh, the recording, the writing, whatever aspects. So uh, when we were trying to figure out which album to do first, we just decided let's go in order. So Victory in the Battle Chamber, uh, our debut release is a seven inch that has two tracks on it. Yeah, Victory in the Battle Chamber and Hunted Becomes Hunter. Uh, were our first two songs that we wrote together. Uh, when we first came up with the idea of the band, we said, well, let's, let's see if it, if it works, if we can write some stuff like this, if we can come up with this kind of music. So we sat down together and started writing, and those were the, the first two things we came up with, which is pretty cool because sometimes the f- first stuff you come up with, it doesn't quite cut the mustard, and you end up um, moving on to other stuff and recording that, maybe coming back to those earlier ideas later and hammering them out but i think we were fortunate that uh our first two ideas ended up being just excellent just amazing work (laughs) um no no i think they i think they turned out to be really cool songs and we still play them we still play victory of course every show uh hunted we don't play as much but we got a lot of songs so there's always so much we can do so what stands out to me about uh those two songs is the guitar that i used i borrowed a guitar from my friend dennis klein i just i don't re- i don't remember what made me borrow i think oh i know steve wanted a strat a strat sound so um i reached out to dennis and borrowed his guitar 
and fell in love with it. Uh, I ended up t- telling him, you know, after we recorded, like, hey, man, if you ever want to sell this guitar, let me have first crack at it. He's never going to sell it because it was a gift to him. But it's a beautiful guitar. It's a great sounding guitar, super heavy. Um, and of course, it doesn't have to be heavy all the time. There's parts in those songs that aren't quite so heavy. So it has a lot of expression and uh, range. But when it needs to get heavy, it's it's mean sounding. And I remember uh, in Victory, I was definitely um, kind of trying to channel Brian May when we did those those big hits uh, coming in into the song. Uh, I so I layered on a bunch of harmonies and bent them. Uh, did I bend them? Yeah, I think I bent them together. And what else was it? Um, I remember the um, at the end of Hunted Becomes Hunter when we were writing that. I was I I was shaping the the build up of that of that song i really the whole song what i was thinking of when i was writing those parts or when i was coming up with with parts of the song uh was bullet there's a great steve mcqueen movie called bullet where um there's a car chase where bullet is he's he's a detective he's being followed through the streets of san francisco by some bad guys and they're following him and he's kind of watching them out of the rearview mirror and then he kind of gets the, the gist of what's going on. And um, he kind of makes this move down an alley. I think they start chasing him. They start chasing him and he kind of makes a move to get away. And then they're like, where is he? They're looking for him. And then he comes through an alley. Now he's behind them and they're like freaking out. And he, I mean, it's like, it's like animal, an animal fight, the way they do this car chase. So there's just yeah. the, the tension that's built up when he turns the tables on them and comes out. And now he's chasing them and, you know, he wins. Yeah, that was what the idea, uh, the inspiration behind, behind Hunt Becomes Hunter was to was a, a, some kind of prey animal turning the tables on its, uh, on its predator, uh, kind of like in, in Prey. Yeah, just, right, right. right. <clears throat> tie um, it in, man. Tie, well, it, we in. tie it in. What and that, that was a great, great sequence in, in film history. And uh, the great Lalo Schifrin is the is the composer who scored that scene and he masterfully yeah. uh, scored that scene. Absolutely. Yeah. So th- those are the, I guess those are the two main things that stand out about the, the recording. I love those songs and I love the way it sounds. And uh, I'm proud of that to, to start off the whole kind of voyage, voyage of Voyager three. With That's those right. Things. Highlights for me would be using uh, the temper mills gear, the studio that we recorded that seven inch at is, is the temper mill, which is located in Ferndale, Michigan. We utilized all of the analog gear. So it was recorded in the exact same way that they would have recorded something in the late seventies, all through the eighties and even into the nineties. So it's, they have a Harrison console, a 32 input Harrison console and a bunch of great preamps. They have a couple of Neve uh, 1073s there, some uh, millennia, which are really clean uh, preamps and, uh, and a tape machine, two inch, an MCI, a Sony MCI 24 track tape machine. So that's how that whole uh, um, seven inch was, was recorded. So super authentic to that time of all those great films that influenced us to write in that way. So it was kind of very true to the time. Yeah. I mean, to Steve's point, like I, I know that I used the house drums on that one. I think that's the only one, only recording of ours, ours where I used the drums that were in the studio so i used like a i think it's a blue sparkle yeah old, ludwig is it a ludwig, a ludwig or, is it or a, a slingerland uh, or something yeah it's like an right. older 
almost like a 60s style but um yeah so we used we used the the house drum kit obviously you know we went in really did it really fast and you know going back to the the whole mission statement of this band was just steve saying hey i want to do this this weird synth music do you want to do it and we were kind of <laughs> like all right so you know it seemed like we were in the studio almost you know it felt like just a couple of days after steve mentioned it to me yeah. you know so a lot of what we did on, on those first two songs was really uh you know not overthinking it at all just going in and doing it purely on you know adrenaline and you know the idea of doing something different right. and then uh you know one other tidbit i think i can throw in there is i think it's hunter becomes hunter i do this really fast drum fill that's kind of like aaron was talking about borrowing so there's this drum fill on uh i think it's on paul's boutique that's like a really fat it's a really it's a bc boys drum fill but i'm sure they sampled it but it, it just sounds really chaotic and really fast and i, I tried to channel that on like that song in particular <laughs> yeah. so that was yeah, that uh, fill was inspired by a beastie boys song at shake least your rump. shake your rump it's not yeah. the same it's not the same drum fill but it's definitely the same vibe you yeah. know so that's one tidbit i can think of that i just felt like that song needed a when it gets to that point and the drums come back in i felt like it needed something like really chaotic and sort of fast yeah, yeah. so that that fill just popped into my head and i just did a different version of it i want to mention that phil too because you it's funny that you mentioned it because i i was trying to remember it when before you said it that fill was it's one of my favorite things you've ever done and um when we were recording it sam steve's brother was video was filming it and that particular take it was the first time you ever even did it i think it was it was you came up with it right then i don't think you'd ever even done that exact film and so we're recording and i'm doing my my guitar um my guitar part and then you come in with it and then i'm like oh my god as we're recording i'm like oh my god oh my god what did he just do and then i'm like so i'm, I'm hoping hoping that you don't mess up any part coming up so we can keep that take so I'm right. like crossing my fingers, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to get too excited because my reaction would throw you off because I know you. Right. And if you saw my face go, whoa, you would, you'd, you'd fuck up all of a sudden. So I'm like holding it in, holding it in. And then we get to the next fill, which comes up just a few seconds later, and you knock that one out too. You pulled that one off. And then I start nodding because I knew that the rest of it was easy and you weren't going to have anything that, you, that, you can <laughs> that I could possibly mess up. Yeah. And so you can even see it in that. It's only like a 30 second video, but you can see you do that crazy fill. You can see my shoulders get all stiff and then you do the other. And I start nodding. Cause I'm like, okay, we're home free. That's, that's that. That was one of my favorite things you've ever done. Awesome, man. Awesome. And speaking of the drums too, uh, it, unlike, uh, other records that we've, that we've done, um, that one we we did the drums like really dead. So so it was that house '60s kit, and then we we kind of dampened the heads with like uh, either moon gels or or uh, you know tissue, whatever tape. it was. Tape, yeah, whatever, gaff tape. Yeah. <clears throat> but then we also surrounded you with baffles so that you would minimize the room. Uh, ambience too. So, so the drums on uh, "Victory in the Battle Chamber" 
uh, seven inch are very dead and that's by design because it just kind of goes down that path of, of, of the stuff of that era that a lot of drums kind of went in that direction and sounded that way so yeah we kind of pay attention to a lot of different details and try to get certain aesthetics and i i think it really worked yeah what were you going to say about victory greg oh yeah well i was going to mention that you know so the other important thing i remember about this ep was that it sort of began the relationship with bellyache records you know like i knew right. my friend scotty was like putting records out and uh you know, so I just took a chance because I, I, I think I mentioned it to Steve. I'm like, hey, we should reach out to Scotty and see if he's interested in this, you know, not knowing that he was such a he, he was also a, uh, you know, a movie score nerd kind of like we are. So, like, you know, here I'm thinking, all right, well, I'm going to send this to Scotty and he's going to say I'm crazy because there's no lyrics or whatever, you know, <laughs> and uh you know, I sent it to him and he just, I just remember his reaction just being totally excited, like right off the bat, like, oh yeah, I'm definitely putting it out. This is exactly what I'm into. Like, you know, so that was sort of like, it was kind of like the first validating thing for this like new project that none of us really at that point were sure was even something that most people would <laughs> understand yeah. or, or, you know, get what we were trying to do, you know? So, yeah, for sure. And one more thing that we did at the end of hunted becomes hunter, we did this long sustain. So we go, bound, we did it three times. That was like where we established our occasional rule of three. A lot of times in music, you do something either twice or four times or eight times, whatever. That's a normal count. We decided because the name of the band was Voyager three, that we would uh, occasionally throw these parts. If we were never sure, if we were ever not sure if we should do something, how many times we should do something, we would just decide like three would be the best way to do it just to kind of be a little different. <laughs> nice. So yeah. at the end of that song, we, we hit this, we hit the, uh, the, the big chords, the big ending chords three times. And that, that established that along with the, the artwork that Slasher Dave did on the cover where he used this three motif, all over the cover and he he carried that on with the artwork for all of the stuff he's done for us um but yeah this this cool car that's busting through this explosion it's got three blades on each side it's got three um spikes in the front the front grill all kinds of cool things even the dude who's driving the car has a v3 tattoo which i think i should probably still get at some point like a recreation of that tattoo there you go but um but yeah so um that was where we where we, I think where we first came up with that three thing that kind of comes and goes throughout all of our music. Yeah. Dig it. Yeah. So there's your Easter egg. You can, now you can look at all of our stuff for, and try to find evidence of the three. They're not, uh, it's, it's not, it's not going to be important to them. Just <laughs> us, just us. Right. That's just for our own, uh, enjoyment <laughs> i mean there are three there are three acts in a movie generally though right you know not that, not that that should surprise anyone that's very true <clears throat> all right well i think that will do it for this episode of v3 cast we talked about um the excellent predator prequel called prey we mentioned our good buddy Corey dana has a brand new book out we talked about uh, some upcoming New York Ninja screenings in uh, Europe. And lastly, we talked about 
some Voyager 3 behind the scenes. We started with Victory in the Battle Chamber. So until next time, listen to Voyager 3, and we'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.